millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello one and all, and welcome to Behind the Glass. I'm your host, Sam, from the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass. And I'm Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales. Yes, you are. Uh, Each week we get together, we talk about cars, motorsport, F1... Car, what else? Cars? Cars? We cars, cars, cars. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can watch us on youtube.com forward slash behind the glass. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. And Tony, if people want to support this podcast, what should they do? Watch it. No. <laughs> <laughs> but also head to Patreon. You can support us on patreon.com forward slash behind the glass. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. I think we have to start by reviewing our EV special from last week. I would agree. We can't just ignore the elephant in the room. No. Because <laughs> it was a big episode for us, an episode I'm super pleased we did. You, we were building up to it for a long time. We were trying to prepare. We were trying to be as prepared as possible. We launched into it. We walked away thinking, you know what? We think we did a good job. You know, we, we presented a kind of a fair picture of the EV landscape. Sam did a great job, I think. The episode went live. And it remained as controversial as any EV topic ever is on this podcast. Yeah, I don't think you can prepare. Like, like I don't think we... I mean, we don't normally prepare anyway, which is why we do what we do. I mean, you do a lot more preparing than me. But for things like that, you don't, we don't know... It's not scripted. We don't know what he was going to say. So, you know, we just had to respond on what he said and we challenged him. And, yeah, I, th- I think we, we kind of... Listen, we didn't... We didn't uh, cover every avenue because it would have been four hours long. We, I literally was forcing the conversation to end towards the end of the episode because Sam very kindly basically agreed to give us 45 minutes of his time. We ended up recording for, I think, an hour and 20 minutes nearly, and I was desperately trying to wrap things up. But you're right, there was so much still to discuss. <laughs> kind of kills me that you say, you know, we don't prepare for these. I put, there's so much preparation which I have to do <laughs> ahead of each of these episodes. Like, I'm working so, and you're like, oh, we never prepare. I'm like, well, I pre- especially for that episode, there was a lot of preparation. Uh, but I'm glad to see that you recognise that, Tony. Um, but no, you're right in the sense where we launched into it with a lot of questions and we weren't sure what was going to come back. But I think Sam really, you know, held his own. He was obviously passionate about you know, electric electric vehicles, the infrastructure, everything about that. So he was always going to champion it. But I think we did a good job at, uh, at taking on a lot of what he said, but also challenging a lot of what he said. But yes, you're right. There's so much we didn't discuss, so much we didn't pick up on. It's interesting when you listen back and go, oh, I wish I'd asked more about that or spotted that. But we're in the moment. You're going to miss things. And that's why the audience are fantastic. That's why we love you. Yeah. Because you pick up on things that we might miss at the time or you mention things that we should have asked that we didn't. And it just means that we're f- we're more prepared next time we go into an EV special like that or when we talk about the topic. So we really appreciate you guys letting us know about all of this. It is, uh, it is always great to have audience feedback. And I think in general, it was just great to see so many people tuning in and getting being part of the conversation, really. Yeah, I saw quite a lot of comments that people say that I'm anti-electric. I'm, I'm anti of the way the structure is. I'm, the I'm, infrastructure. The, the, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's, it doesn't work for everyone. So as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't work. It, it, you know, it's, it's very black or white and people that know me know that I am very that anyway. So it doesn't work for everyone. So therefore it doesn't work. A petrol car or combustion engine car works for everyone. Now, if in 10 years time they make it work for everyone, then we'll all clap our hands and, you know, I've got to move with the times because I'm a motor dealer. So I'm not bothered about selling electric cars. I'm not bothered about it coming in and we know it's happening. 
me just as using a bit of common sense because I'm pretty stupid. <laughs> but I have. Got, oh, we'll. Oh, we'll. I've got some common sense, and I just can't see it happening. And hey, as we always, we beat the same drum weekly on this episode. These are just our opinions. Mm. I know, you know, we, we try and inform ourselves as much as possible and we're trying to share information with you guys, but we're, we're mainly sharing our opinions and everyone's allowed to like or dislike the thoughts of EVs and, yeah. and whether that's you know going to be a thing or not. So anyway, look, we're not going to get hung up on this because we did a whole special last week, but I, I thought we couldn't just launch into another episode without kind of touching on the EV special. So if you haven't listened to it, if you missed it, if you have no idea what we're talking about, go back and listen to last week's episode, our EV special with Sam Clark from Grid serve grid serve i just suddenly got really nervous that i was gonna say the wrong company name <laughs> <Shell. there>. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway yeah really good uh, but look, let's move on because lots of news lots of things to discuss this is going to be a sort of car news focused episode because things have been happening we need to catch up we need to discuss we need to analyze yeah can we analyze your shirt first <laughs> you're such a prick like you're i know you're on the fence of electric but i mean surely you know how to plug an iron in <laughs> <laughs> so a few things have happened firstly i've realized that i'm now an old man no, my, old. my 32nd birthday is in a couple of months some significant life events are happening in the weeks and months ahead and i thought you know it's time i grow up you know i i, I need to stop wearing hoodies and and t-shirts and i need to be a bit smarter especially you know with this you know this great podcast we're doing so i thought i'd bring in a shirt today but the only shirt I had was tucked right down the back of my wall. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that from when I was 13 years old. And yeah, I mean, it's not that bad. I mean, look at it now. You're saying like it looks creased as hell. I think it's the design. Uh, the, this, uh, <laughs> Ralph, do the crease look today. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not watching on YouTube, I'm kind of wearing a very nice uh, red uh, shirt from Ralph Lauren. And he is, yeah. Tony's being very rude in his black Balenciaga t-shirt. Let's move on from fashion, because I don't <laughs> think that's our forte. Um, yeah, as I say, lots of things for us to discuss. First things first, did you watch the Indy 5? hundred this weekend uh, i saw like literally three minutes of it and i turned it off really yeah i mean don't like cars going around in a circle hey <laughs> only if i'm oh. driving them <laughs> um no I, I i i appreciate what they do i don't find it i know it is but i don't find it as interesting as formula one in terms of they just go around an oval at 200 of them. I mean, it's really dangerous. How, what do you think their average speed is on the race, during the race? Well, it must be two something. It must be 200 because they're always 220, 230 mile an hour. Yeah, 220 odd miles an hour is their average speed across the race distance. Unbelievable. Which is nuts. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you where... In, I, every year I watch the Indy 500 or I try and watch the Indy 500 and I go, oh, this is oh, it's such a good, oh, it's such a spectacle. Oh, this is so much, it's so exhilarating. I'm going to watch way more IndyCar. And I just never do. Because <laughs> it's, you know, it, it is different. It's it's not the same, I don't think. Well, it's definitely not the same as Formula One. But whilst it's got its place in America, I, just, I don't know why. I just don't, I don't enjoy it as much. But the Indy 500, I think, is an amazing spectacle. And it's one of those races like Le Mans 24-hour I like the Monaco Grand Prix, which is just, you know, it's just... NASCAR. Uh, NASCAR? It's like NASCAR as well. That's really well followed. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's still bigger than Indy. I think NASCAR used to forever be bigger than Indy. There was back in the days, in the kart days, Montoya and Frank Eaton, things like that, that, that the kart was very big. Since it's switched to IndyCar, I think NASCAR is still bigger. But yeah, but the Indy 500 is a very super historic, super iconic. It's part of that. Is it the big three or the big four? Le Mans, Monaco... And uh, and Indy 500, I think, is the big three that Alonso's trying to go for and Graham Hill and Jim Clark have done. Anyway, um, this year was interesting because it was basically old versus young. Something which IndyCar has, which is very different to Formula One, is an, a sort of older driver. The, the man who won it, I think 46 years old, Elio Castellanovic. He's done it before. He's done it three times. This was his fourth time. So he's tied as the most win winningest driver of the Indy 500. Oh, he's won it four times? Four times. Oh. He's 46. The first time was 20 years ago. I mean, he's been going that long. And, and so you had this group of like real old school races, 46, 47, 48 years old. Montoya, for example, going up against the young bloods who were, you know, 20, 21, 22 years old. And that was a fascinating battle because it's such a race of attrition. You know, there's a lot of luck that goes into Indy 500. You're basically seeing if you can make it around. And if you're still there with the last 20 laps and you're at the front, then well done, you've got a chance of winning. But so much is about safety cars and, and race fuel and all these different elements. But, bit like F1. Uh, well, yeah, but, but even more extreme so. There's a lot of luck that, that until you actually end up in that sort of, that final position. And, and we came into the final few laps with three main contenders, two very young, 
Palau or Palau, uh, pa- Palau Award, who was racing with McLaren's team. And then this old guy, Castro Neves. And it was just exciting because you it's kind of David and Goliath. You wanted him to do it because he was the old guy, but then you wanted the young guys to come through and do it. So I loved it. I thought it was super exciting. But I'm with you where I'm probably never going to watch another indie race until the 500 next year. Did he Did he win, do you think, because of experience? Is that what got him over the line? Well, yes, yeah, so that's what I was kind of thinking. I think, yes, there was definitely a part of that because so much about it is you know, managing your fuel load and also knowing when to do that overtake because there is a lot of overtaking in IndyCar, especially on the oval circuits. It's all about slipstreaming, but he had to pick his moment perfectly that wouldn't allow Palau, Palu to then slip stra- straight back past. So definitely some experience came in that because a bit like horse racing or maybe more cycling is maybe a more apt thing. You basically don't want to be in the lead in Indy 500. Because obviously you're just punching a hole through the air. Yeah. You're helping everyone behind you save fuel. And so, so in the lead is not the best place to be. And I think Castro Nevis definitely used that to his advantage. They swapped places quite a few times in the last 10 or 20 laps. And then he made that final lunge with a few laps to go. And yeah, it was good. It was exciting. I, I, I really enjoyed it. But uh, I understand that it's not, not for everyone. But it's mm. just one of those races. Next year, just maybe give it a go. All right. Just to see if you, it's a, we have a beer. Yeah. Have it on the background. All right. It's very American, though. Oh, can you oh my God. The build-up was like three and a half hours long. Like, oh, my God, Castro Nevis into the sidewall. No way. I mean, that's what frightens me. I mean, when they hit something. Oh, my God. The I mean, crashes It's are. huge. huge. Yeah. Actually, this year, they kind of got away without anything too terrifying. There was a one moment where one of the drivers was saved by... They, so they have a windscreen in IndyCar, not a halo device, but similar kind of idea. And a loose tyre was rolling down the track and literally hit his windscreen. I mean, it would have killed him. So that was a pretty amazing moment um, for safety in terms of motorsport. But okay, fine. If you didn't really watch it, let's move on. I've banged on about IndyCar a bit too long. Did you see that the Geneva Motor Show have confirmed they're coming back in 2022? Oh, are they? No, I didn't know. I mean, is anyone going to go? <laughs> That's the problem, yeah. isn't it? We've all gone digital now. And I, and I think these... Have any of the manufacturers confirmed? I mean... I think it's too early for that. Okay. Uh, so obviously, um, Geneva cancelled in last year because of it. Literally, felt just as Corona was blowing up, and I, mean, I think the call came like two days before that they were cancelling the event, and then they said they wouldn't be doing 2021 either. So the return is 2022. But long before that, we were discussing the sort of you know whether there is life in the Geneva Motor Show. Mm. Some manufacturers were pulling out. They were trying to charge huge amounts of money for their various stands. And with things like Goodwood, but also the internet, is there really a necessity or a need for the Geneva Motor Show anymore? I don't think there was. Like, I'm not excited by the return of it. I'm like, oh, if I have to go, that's a bit of a bore. <laughs> like, sounds weird, but... Well, you guys have to go, don't you? Well, if it's on, you don't have to. No one's got a gun to your head, but... From but a business networking point of view. Correct. Yeah. yeah, you have to go. But for people like me, I go because I want to go and I'm not that bothered about going anymore. Why did you like to go? What, what You say, oh, because you want to go. Why did you ever want to go? Because it was a bit of research for me. Like you get to see all the, all the new cars that are coming out. I mean, I kind of knew it anyway, but you get to see them, you know, and touch and feel them. And, and it, it, it was, it's a cool event, but... You know, once you've been... It's like Monaco, mate. Once you've been to Monaco a couple of times, like, so what? Do you know what I mean? I mean, I disagree. <laughs> no, I know you really I'm like trying it, to find but... a house there, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, you're right. And and over the years, with the growth of social media, with car content, with manufacturers launching cars on Sloan Street, uh, let alone Google Festival Speed, Geneva, I think, lost some of its impact. You're right. It's cool to see a lot of new cars in one room, in one area, where you can go from stand to stand, see some unique things, see some things that you may, may never see again. But actually, that's not true, because nowadays, literally days after the Geneva Motor Show, you'll probably see one of the rarest and coolest cars that was on display going around Mayfair. Yeah. And if not, somebody, Shmi, or someone's filming it in some top secret location. Like, is this too much of everything? And so yeah. therefore, it doesn't feel, I think, as exciting or as special as it may be used to. It's very diluted now, isn't it? Super diluted. Yeah. And because Goodwood have done such a good job in recent years with the dynamic supercar paddock, you know, manufacturers choosing to launch cars there or at least showcase cars there for the first time, you get to see them and hear them and, and watch them. Where with Geneva, yes, it's great to get up close if you can get on the stand if you're lucky enough to be invited onto the stand. It's just a static car under lights. Mm. You know, often they don't have the final interiors. And, and so the dynamic displays, I think, are far more engaging, far more enticing. 
as a car fan and not not as a YouTuber, just as someone who wants to see the cars, I get more excited about seeing them move and hearing them, etc. Yeah, and all these manufacturers now, they've all got huge Instagram and social media pages. So from that point of view, from a business point of view, do they need to spend millions of quids having a stand at somewhere that's static? So Yeah, and then, you know, they're peeling back the covers just as somebody else is two, two doors down and they haven't got the crowds that they want. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But, you know, I guess it's good for the motor industry that Geneva are saying they're coming back. You know, I think it's a positive sign in that sense, you know, for all of us trying to return some kind of normality or get, you know, be positive about the future. That's got to be seen as a good thing, but I just wonder if maybe the moment's passed and and if they're coming back, they should try and do things a little bit differently. Yeah, is it the beginning and the end for them? Is that the big, big saying? motor shows, yeah. yeah. Okay, so some new car reveals, some, 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 yeah, I guess new car reveals, but they're all kind of a bit weird, these, so oh. <laughs> I'm a bit nervous about bringing them all up. <laughs> let's, actually, let's dive in with the one that's sort of most relevant. M4 Convertible launched. Oh, yeah, I saw that. They've gone back to a soft top. Oh, I didn't see that. I yeah. just saw it down. Yeah, oh. so the hard top is gone because even with the soft top, it's two tons. Oh, yes, a lot. Nineteen ninety-four kilos or something ridiculous. Yeah, so that would have been two. It would have been same as a Bentley. Or I not, mean, not quite as much, but outrageously heavy. Yeah, it's really heavy. It's the problem they got with those new M3 M4s, isn't it? Or just in general, mate. Cars in general, they get bigger and bigger every time. They get heavier and heavier. More safety stuff goes in them, and airbags and computers and it's the problem with that manufacturers are having at the moment with getting these chips that China make that they can't get that Apple use. What's that? I don't know about the chips. All oh, right, so so all these manufacturers that for the to run their ECUs in their cars, they all use similar to Apple chips you've got in your phone. Sure. So obviously they're made in China. And um Apple get all they pay the most money for them, so they get them right. first. It's like the vaccine. <laughs> Yeah, well, go, go on, anyway, let's not get was political. That, was, we, we Apple, <laughs> has Apple got a lot of vaccine? No, no, no. <laughs> anyway, developing countries versus third world countries. Yeah, no, yeah, it's true. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all about money, unfortunately. And the manufacturers, so there's there's a shortage. So if there's a shortage in them, so BMW having a problem, in the, if we're talking about BMW, you can't order a M car or any car with... Harman Kardon or Comfort Access and stuff like that, which is fine if you're ordering a normal 3 Series or 1 Series because people don't normally spec that. But when you're ordering an M4 or... Sure, an M- some of that stuff comes as standard. Yeah, so you just can't have it. So you wow. don't have the car and Porsche are having the same problems with Bang & Olufsen and not just sounds, just in general, packs aren't available. So as we know, Land Rover, well, as far as I do know from like 10 days ago, they've completely stopped production. I don't know if they've turned it back wow. on now. They just can't get the parts. I've missed this completely. Yeah, which is, which is, so this is the reason why used cars have done that because there's no new cars, and for the foreseeable future, there won't be. So what's happening is people are going into these manufacturers saying, can I have a new car? This is what I want. And they go, certainly, sir. Uh, we're going to take deposit, and it, you might see it this year, or it might be. There's no date. We don't actually know. We don't know. <laughs> see you soon. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then they come straight to the used market and think, wow. well, what can I have in between? So Very interesting. Yeah. So on that sort of note... We, where do we think, because if everyone's going to the used market, used market values, you know, increase, there's a lot of demand, etc. But when the chips arrive, these infamous chips, and suddenly the new cars can be delivered, does what does everyone do? Because I'm trying to think of me as an example. If I was waiting, if I wanted to go and order a new F-Type tomorrow, and they say, oh, you know, it's going to be here in two years' time. Okay, cool, I'll go and buy a used one. But then when they say, oh, actually, you can now order one that'll be here in three months... I'll probably just stick with the one I bought, wouldn't I? Is that not creating an endless problem for new car sales? Well, because what they'll do is is that they'll still sell them, mate, and then we'll go back on the roundabout again where they're doing stupid money off them to get them out the door, and then that affects the used car market, and the used car market does that again. It's all supply and demand, and it's not just chips. I'm just using that as an example. Sure. You know, there's it, it's a parts problem. For, across all manufacturers, they have a parts problem. So... Well, I learn something new every day. <laughs> thanks, thanks for coming along, Tony. No, see you later. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, uh, back to the original point. Interesting that the M4 is now soft top. Uh, I, I actually think it looked quite good with the roof down. And I know you're going to go, ha ha, I told you so. But I've seen more and more of these M3s and M4s on the road now. And whilst I still think they look weird, you do start to get used to them. I've been starting to get used to them. And yeah, I'm definitely not a fan, but 
they look better on the road moving around doing stuff especially with the standard four series creeping mm. around it, your eye just starts to get used to it and accept accept it or tolerate it a bit more yeah i mean people always have an opinion don't they when and and i've honestly i've said it before i think bmw were very clever with the design of that because what it done is it got everyone talking mm-hmm. so i think i think they half knew what they were doing there and like i said from the start I don't think it looks that bad. It's just a big change. And when there's a big change, people jump up and down in any walk of life, in in any scenario. Always the way. It's always the way. So, But I think BMW done well, and I think they've done it on purpose. Let, let's completely change the front and upset everyone and get everyone talking about it. <laughs> well, speaking of change, there's been another interesting change in this uh, world of cars. McLaren. <laughs> don't choke on your drink. <laughs> well, I won't have none then. <laughs> Did you see that they've added a windscreen to their windscreenless car? Well, it's only because they couldn't sell it. Yeah. <laughs> so if you don't know, the McLaren Elva is their so sort funny. of their rival to the Ferrari Monza or the Aston Martin Speedster. Top Gear did a fantastic piece comparing all three Speedster, Monster, really? uh, yeah, Monster, Monza, and Elva. Really, really good video. Uh, obviously, three cars that are very hard to film because the minute you start going fast, no one can say it. <laughs> so fine, you're fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, really, really good piece and really interesting to, to see. But yeah, the Elva, clearly, I mean, oh, who was going to buy that in the first place? But they've obviously struggled. And I'm, I'm assuming they think that their biggest market is in America because a lot of states in America, the car wasn't road legal. That's why they've added the windscreen, theoretically. Right, okay. Um, at which point, does it make it any more desirable? Probably not. Mm. <laughs> it's still like, wow. Yeah. At least before it had its USP. Yeah, while we're on the subjects of McLaren, oh and I'm not, oh no, no, I'm not bashing them. I'm just, I'm just sure. made an observation. Customers, mm. their customers, mm. which is no problem, are specking seven six five LTs to four hundred and seventy <gasps> grand. Four hundred and seventy. Four seven zero thousand pound. MSO special. Whatever. I mean. <laughs> No, I mean, honestly, it's their money and it's up to them and no problem. But I've heard of a couple now in the network, not the used network, as in in the wow. network, that are that money. The customers have paid 470 for them. Well, you, MSO do do some amazing things. And I think that, you know, whatever the customer wants, they will try and deliver. And so, one of the best at it, actually, in yeah. terms of the colours and the stuff. Fantastic imagination that, yeah. and ability to deliver. So you could imagine a customer going there saying, I want four different coloured carbon fibre, you know, on my car. And they go, yeah, sure, we can figure it out. Um, so I, I can imagine how they get there. You've got to be, well, the thing is, if you're specking a car for that much, you've probably got bottomless pits of money. And do you care? Because let's face it, we've had this discussion before and we've seen it. Highly customized MSO'd or anyone, you know, any manufactured cars, tougher to sell because they're more unique, more specific, yep. more niche, but also lose as much money as the standard cars. And we all know McLaren's lose a ton more. of money. Percentage, they lose more. Fine, yes, percentage yeah. lose more. So, you know, you've got to go into that going, oh, I just don't care, which, I mean, clearly you don't. If you're they spending that much money, that. they just don't care. Yeah. So if you take it into context as well, if you look at the three main competitors for that 765 the 48 Pistar, the Black Series Merc, and the STO Lamborghini, right? Mm-hmm. We'd all say that they're the track variant cars of them. Yep, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Right? The, the free car, the free that I've just mentioned, Lambo, Merc, and Ferrari, give or take, they're around 300 to 350, depending on how mad you want to go. As in, you can have a Pista if you go mad with it at 350, 360, whatever, if you really special paint. Um, same with the STO, you can do the ad persona stuff. And we had a brief conversation with Shmi when he was here, yep. and uh, you can go a bit silly with the ad persona one. The Mercs are fairly similar. You can't do very much. Can't do like four colours to choose from. Yeah. And they're three twenty, three thirty ish, right? So they're all around that sort of money. For that car to be another hundred odd grand Yes, more. but all I would say to you is I bet if you go tailor-made Ferrari or what's the Lamborghini one? Uh, ad, pers- ad persona. Ad persona. Or persona or persona. I bet you can get, I bet you can get a Pista over 400. I bet, I bet. Well, you'd get, I don't know if you could get it over 400, but I think you'd get it very close to 400. But this is closer to 500, mate. Good point. And I think the difference being, and this is really my bias coming through, Ferrari's tailor-made programme 
is genius because maybe unwittingly or maybe knowingly, Ferrari basically control what that tailor-made process is. Like, have you ever seen a tailor-made car and gone, they're always beautiful, immaculate, fantastic choices. The combinations, the leathers, they're always stunning. Yep. Because Where, there's a lady that sits with a customer and says, oh, she, she can't... I don't know about this. Correct. Do, it, not do it like this and do yeah. it like that. And there's another and glass are very of sexy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst with McLaren, it's six mates, six guys in a room going, yeah, 14 <laughs> colours of carbon. Great. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, no, I'm with you. And so therefore, I think McLaren allow their customers to go that far and encourage extreme personalization, like with a Koenigsegg or a Pagani, yeah. at which point that's where the money can be found. You know, they offer gold everywhere. If you want all mm. the gold, have all the gold. Um, and so therefore that's why I can understand where those kind of ludicrous numbers come from. But, you know, each each their own. I can't, I do really applaud what MSO do and I think it is brilliant and genius. Their the colours are they, fantastic. The way they paint And the other way, the other little elements that they can incorporate yeah. and include, like even with that Senna GTR LM thing that I saw at Salon Privé when I was there with Pirelli last year, some of the details on that were just, I mean, you know, gold switches all the harking back to the original F1, the pedals were the same, like just little elements that are very clever. So I think MSO are very, very clever. And therefore... Who's got one of them for sale at the moment? Uh, I DK s- Engineering, we've got just a standard Senna GTR, not an LM, I don't think. Okay. But they've got a Senna GTR for one point something plus fat. Free? Was it one <sighs> point? I can't remember. Whatever it was, 1.6 yeah. maybe. Which Lanzante will road legalise. Hello. Amazing. Want to want join... Join, join. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. While we talk about road legalizing stupid cars, I put a clip up yesterday on my Instagram page about the AM, the Merc, the AMG Project One, Project One thing. Yeah, there was a clip that I shared. I put it on my stories. I mean, it's just mad that thing. What like, was the clip? What was it well, doing? It was just, it, just it driving down <laughs> the road. Yeah, okay. like like how. How that they've made that into a road car is just unbelievable. But what have they made into a road car? Yeah, well... We, we do dip in and out of this car yeah. every now and again, and, and what it's going to be... They announced, they officially announced, it is road testing now. That's the whole thing. Keep your eyes peeled. It's on the road. It's testing. Yeah. And I've seen some shots. I don't, I don't know the one you're talking about, but I've seen some shots as well. It does look mega, but, but what is it? Because none of us, it's, it's all gone very quiet. We don't know what it is yet. How much F1 technology is actually in it. And I yeah. think that's the biggest problem with the Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably why people have cancelled them for that reason, right? Because it's just not what they no, it's gone. It's gone very far away from that original yeah, direction, and yeah. it's massively delayed. And they keep asking for more and more money for a car that they don't exactly know what it's going to be. Yeah. So, um, speaking of though, interesting Aston Martins. Did you see that a handful of people, not me, <laughs> got to experience the Victor, that one-off, unbelievable creation that uh, uh, was at Hampton Court last year, that Vulcan One Seven Seven. Blah, 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 blah. I saw the pictures. Yeah. Oh, my God. It so was pretty. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, a couple of magazines and then JWW because of his links with, with Aston. Yeah. Luck, lucky bugger got to have a go in it. And, oh, just what a thing. Like that, I just, uh, I applaud that. I know all your feelings about Aston, but that no, They're was always a, pretty cars, mate, and you can't deny the way they Manual, sound. basically yeah, a manual yeah. Vulcan 177. Yeah. I mean, just mm. brilliant. <laughs> Now, those of you watching on the YouTube channel, you will have noticed we've moved downstairs to the car area at STGHQ because there's a Cupra Formentor here. Hello. Very good. Tony, you're quite excited, aren't you? I am. I'm actually, honestly, (laughs) really excited. Well, that's because you may have noticed recently Cupra have very kindly been sponsoring this podcast. It's been amazing. And this episode has been produced in collaboration, in conjunction with with Cupra, and you've known this has been coming. Mm. You haven't actually had a chance to see one of these cars in the flesh yet, have you? No, I mean, I probably have seen one, mate, but yeah. Like, it's the first time you have a chance to re- like, poke get around. Close, get up close <laughs> to one, yeah. Now, if you don't know anything about the Formentor, it is the latest model from Cupra. It offers the practicality of a coupe SUV, but with the drivability and handling of a high-performance car. The Formentor is available to experience now and comes with a range of engines to choose from, including a powerful 310 PS version and e-hybrid engines, plug-in hybrids, capable of delivering up to 245 
PS. The four and tall range starts with the V1 trim, like the one we have here in the studio, and that starts from £27,400. And it comes highly specced with 18-inch alloys, LED headlights, and rear parking sensors. On the inside, Tony, you'll find a 12-inch touchscreen navigation, a digital cockpit, and wireless Apple CarPlay. In terms of safety features, the Formentor has many, including lane assist and adaptive cruise control. And that's why it was awarded a five-star Euro NCAP safety rating. Now, due to its e-hybrid engine, you can actually run 100% electric power for up to 37 miles, only switching to petrol when the battery needs recharging. That's been super helpful, moving the car here at the <laughs> studio. I had to start the engine every time. I can just move around in electric to silently creep. It's been very useful very and good. very nice. Now, I have mentioned it a few times before. We've discussed it a few times before. I saw this car for the first time a few years ago during Drive the World when it was in the Cap de Formentor, the, I guess the road this was named after, Yeah, yeah. being filmed for the promotional campaign. And this trailer pulled up and I was like, oh, what's going to be in there? And the back door opened and I went... I don't know what that is. <laughs> it looks great, but I don't know what it is. And then two years later, I discovered that this is the car that I saw. And now it's parked in the studio. It's amazing. And you saw it like that or in camo? It wasn't in camo. Ah. It was the top spec version, uh, all primed and ready to be filmed, looking great. But yeah, I saw the whole car. I just didn't know at the time what, what was. I was looking yeah, at. Yeah. And you know, it's got me thinking this car. The more and more we've been talking about it and talking to Cupra about it. You know, we often say on this podcast that supercars... These days, they don't excite as much as they used to. They've all become a bit bland. They all start to blur into one. And, you know, well, they're not also that relatable. They've become more and more expensive. That's exactly it. They're not relatable to the, the normal general public, essentially. However, the sort of 30 to 50 grand price point, I think, has become amazing. I mean, this car, as we mentioned, already starts below that, £27,400. Going a little bit more than that, you can increase your trim level. There's so much amazing choice. And cars like the Formentor give, I think, petrolheads or people who are into their cars or the way their cars look and feel just another way to go. More exciting choice. Yeah, for sure. And this is my market, mate. This is my price point, the thirty to fifty grand. It's what I do every day. So it, it's nice to get up close to one because, I mean, when you was reading off the, the, the extras that come from the... The, the, the entry-level car. I mean, it's un- unbelievable now, like, what you get for your money. A wireless Apple CarPlay? I don't even have, I mean, I have that in any of my other cars. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's well, amazing. I, I think what they've done, what a lot of manufacturers do now, they, they sell cars in packs, so there's normally f- two or three different packs, um, which is obviously what they've done here. And That's exactly it. Yeah, so yeah, you can yeah. just keep increasing your, your trim level. Yeah. But I just think it's good because, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we were all buying the same cars. If you were into cars, as I say, because of, you know, how they reflected your lifestyle or because you liked performance or whatever it might be, there were just a limited number of choices, weren't they? It was For fairly sure. obvious. But nowadays, with cars like the Formentor, it's it's great. You can just you can be individual. You can be personal, and you can say this reflects who I am. Well, I think that's the clever bit about the design and, and how they've packaged the car. Um, that's a very saturated market. That price point, and obviously, it's what I do. So they've had to think a little bit more out the box in terms of you know how they put the car together and whatnot. And mate, I think they've they've pulled it off. I mean. Well, I yeah. would agree. As I walked round, I thought, oh, right. It looks I'm, good. In the, I yeah. mean, we're being a bit biased now because Cooper are amazing and we love them. But genuinely, we both walked in today and went, oh, it does look good, doesn't it? But for value for money as well. I mean, we like value for money. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you, love- you, you definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> of course. It's my main, my main stake. As there in, go. Yeah. Now, of course, how you judge your cars. Well, we have to say a huge thanks to Cooper for partnering up recently with this podcast, but also allowing us to get up close and to check out this Formentor of course, as I already mentioned, it is available now. So if you want to find out more, if you want to go and experience it, head to cupraofficial.co.uk to find your local retailer. And I think we both suggest go and see it in the flesh. It's yeah. got presents, huh? For sure. Yeah, yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Rolls Royce launched the boat tail. You must have seen this. The most expensive new car ever. 20 million pounds. Who's buying that car? Oh my well, but do you remember was it it's called the sweep tail? The what was the one a couple of years ago that was launched at um Villa Deste, which was 12.9 million, something like that? A, a roller. Yeah, a roller. I think it's called the sweep tail, which was um he used to go on Instagram. Maybe he's still on Instagram. I don't want to say too much because he's a very private guy. Mm-hmm. But he it was a well-known Instagram collector that bought it. And he literally took it to like Chile or Patagonia or like somewhere the next day from Villa Deste. It was amazing. Did loads of stuff with it. So it was great to, be, to see it being used. But it was at the time the most expensive new car. And apparently that concept, that sort of idea um, <sighs> inspired this new part of Rolls-Royce, this highly bespoke coach building section of Rolls-Royce. What's it made of? I actually don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a Phantom base. It's a two-door drophead coupe. It's a BMW 7 Series. No, Phantom Phantom 8 is more than a 7 Series. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure now they've done so much. Back in the day it was, but but the new generation I think is levels on levels. Um, But it's got... It's one of those cars that is so ridiculous. <laughs> I haven't even bothered reading about it. No, I mean, like, no, no. It's got like a picnic table at the back with like an umbrella. I, I just an umbrella for it's literally <laughs> quid. And obviously the boat ties harking back to the old sort of boat shaped designs of the, mm. of the really old Rolls Royces and old classic cars. It's kind of like, I mean, I slightly applaud Rolls Royce for being able to create it and put it together. And you know, you know the details are. Fantastic. The infotainment system and the buttons will still be shite, but the actual car will be incredible. Um, Actually, the infotainment system is from BMW. I just mean the button. (laughs) I really get annoyed by the buttons in a Rolls Royce. Anyway, but yeah, 20 million pounds, three of them. There were some rumours that it was Jay-Z and Beyonce that had ordered it. Really? Yeah, but I don't know if that's true or not. (sighs) I don't have enough ins at Rolls Royce to send some dodgy texts. Or DM them. DM him. Uh, Jay-Z, hi, did you order the boat town? I'm just doing a podcast with Tony. We'd love to know. We'll have to get Paul to do it because we haven't got blue tick. <laughs> Don't. It's it's the bane of my life. Upsets me so much. You know, I said on, on Twitter the other day that Louis Samuelson blocked him. I know. Everyone I believed it. Because if you don't know, Paul Wallace DMs Lewis Hamilton weekly. Uh, oh, hey, hey, Lewis, great, great race, bro. I love that piano song you just posted. That's so good. Yeah, so we obviously privately have a joke about it. And, uh, <laughs> and everyone actually believed that that's what had happened. Um, so, yeah, so one of those weird cars. I, I will at some point get around to watching a video or reading an article, but it's kind of things like, I like that they've done it, but it means so little to me. Yeah. And you know what? I think it was an obvious move for Rolls-Royce to have this kind of coach building arm because nowadays so many people can afford Rolls-Royces. The world is a different place to what it was 20 years ago. The The level of bespokeness is what a customer would judge you know, themselves on. You know, mm. I want to have the most bespoke, craziest Rolls-Royce ever, not just a phantom with green paint. Or oh, do we agree that, that, that Rolls-Royce are the best hand-built cars that you can buy? I, I would say they are. Yeah, like, as I say, I have this, I have this fundamental problem with the interior 
of a Rolls Royce. Certain elements, because the interior is obviously fantastic. The leather's incredible. It's so comfortable, so quiet. But just some of the feel of some of the buttons. Mm. It's literally just the buttons, yeah. which feel like they're from a BMW parts bin from 15 years ago. Really let it down for yeah, me. Like, shockingly so. Mm. Obviously, the rest of the car amazing. And it's you get this sense of occasion in and around a Rolls Royce that no other car can deliver. But if I'd paid 400 odd grand for a Phantom 8 or 20 mil for a boat tail, I think I'd be like, oh, that's a bit cramped. This button's yeah, a bit yeah. gross. <laughs> Doesn't always work that well. It's a bit the least of your problem. No. <laughs> yeah, 20 million pounds later. <laughs> I mean, speaking of 500 grand 765 LTs. Oh, I mean, no, yeah. Absolute madness, isn't it? It's amazing what people spend their money on. Unbelievable. Mm. Well, talking about big money, did you see that uh, someone came along offering lots of money for Lamborghini? No. Yeah, so I think it was $7.5 billion. Someone, I actually don't know who it was or if they've named who it was, approached VW to try and buy Lamborghini for $7 billion or like that. A- another manufacturer or? I'm assuming so. I wonder if it was Rimac. Okay. Because aren't Rimac, have they bought Bugatti or are they buying Bugatti? I thought this had to do with Porsche, no? Yeah, Porsche involved as well, which gets a bit weird, but mm. I'm pretty sure Rimac either tried to or are buying Bugatti to make them all electric okay. as their sort of flagship halo brand. Um, but yeah, someone came knocking for Lamborghini, which I think is very, very interesting. They said and no. VNW said no. V- VNW? <laughs> VW said no. Well, they've obviously got plans because if, you, if you're, you know, that's a fire-breathing combustion engine brand. I was going to say, very interesting, right? It's very interesting. Because if I was VW, I'd be like, that's, I want to get rid of them real quick. Yeah, because in 10 years' time, they're going to be electric cars and who's going to buy one? But there's always something, isn't it? And you've told me this before. Because of the numbers that they produce, they're classed as a small manufacturer or something Correct. like that, right? So they get, to evo- they get to escape a lot of the restrictions that other big manufacturers face. Correct. Yeah. Um, same with Ferrari. Same, I'm not sure about Porsche. But I think maybe Paul- Maserati. <laughs> they can only build about four cars a year. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, McLaren will be in there. And yeah. yeah, there's a few of them that escape the, because it's all about um, volume. overall volume, yeah, in terms of what what your manufacturer puts out as a volume in CO2. So there's something in there that VW see the value in. Firstly, we've spoken a lot in the last 12 to 18 months of how we think Lamborghini are really flying the flag or or keeping the flag flying for, yeah, fire-breathing big engines, true to their core message, true Mm. to their identity, simple lineup. You know, they're they're, they're doing great. I'm not a big Lambo fan, but they're doing great. Three cars. Three, bish, bash, bosh. You know, very obvious, very easy. Um, And... They're obviously selling. Eurus is everywhere. I keep seeing them yep. all over the place. Yeah. Um, whilst the event store seems to be getting another facelift rather than a replacement. <laughs> Did you see that? Oh my God, yeah. Some spy shots of a, of a sort of final, final edition of Ventador, which is hilarious. Um, but good on him. I mean, what a popular car. It'd be, an SV, it'd be an SVJ with no wing. But we shouldn't be surprised if you chart the history. Mercy Largo, arguably, what, the shortest lifespan? Mm. I mean, you know, think of things like the Countach. Like, um, basically, they've done what? Mura? Kuntash, Diablo, Mercy Largo, Aventador. Yeah. I mean, that's it in, what, 60, 60 years? Yeah, 60-odd years, yeah. Yeah, you're right. fairly impressive. So, I never really thought about it. Yeah, they're yeah. not going to be rushing out. It's not their history to yeah. go, oh, here's another car. It's yeah. going <laughs> to take their time. But that's, but that's, again, why I kind of like what they do. You know, they're not mm. changing. All these other men are bashing out cars left, right, and center, new models, new variations. Um, but yet, they're a Lamborghini just staying true to who they've always been. And VW clearly see value in that they must do yeah um something that i don't see value in which i'll keep saying is 812 gts from ferrari oh no i like them i love them but i still hate what they represent for that brand because no joke at the weekend beautiful sunny weather by the way here in the uk at the moment there may be a little bit more audible background noise in today's episode that's because we've got windows open for the first time in the studio ever it's really hot, it's that it? hot yeah. um how quickly times change yeah we were in here <laughs> freezing in like arctic clothes about three months ago um at the weekend i counted seven different 812 gts's i saw driving around in a two, well 24 hour span from Saturday lunchtime to Sunday lunchtime, I saw seven different 812 GTSs. Now, I agree, like what a car, theoretically, everything about it is great. But I've spoken before how that was always a very special car, a special variant for Ferrari, the convertible V12 Grand Tourer. And we know the Competizione Aperta is coming, which is going to be that Halo Halo car. But seeing so many of them, I was like, oh. God, I'd be annoyed if I just bought one and I pulled up next to another. Like, there's nothing special about it. Like, 
There is anything special. Do you see what I'm saying? I know. No, no I kind of get it, but I don't really get it. If yeah. you know, like, I don't really get what you're saying because it's not the special car. It's the mainstream production car. The special car is the competition thing that's going. Yeah. That's the special one. So, if you get out of your head, it's not the special car. It's no different to a four eight eight spider, essentially a little bit less, not a mm. little bit less numbers. But um, oh, and trust me, I'll drive it and say it's the best thing since sliced bread. Oh, and mate, I eat my imagine? words. It's going to be. Like, yeah, yeah. I know it's going to be incredible, but there's. It's just the real nerdy, gimpy Ferrari fan inside of me that's like, oh, why? But I think I'm getting too upset too easily about something very stupid. But I just, I couldn't believe, I feel like I saw more 812 GTSs than Priuses at the weekend. Yeah, well, the the, the special car you think it is, is coming. Yeah, fair. So okay, that when, maybe when that comes, maybe you'll chill out about it a bit more. <laughs> and actually probably want to buy one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I won't every week be going, oh my God, <laughs> why? Um, well, from, yeah, a car that we probably, well, we do both desire and we will more so once we've driven them to a one that I don't think we'll ever drive and maybe isn't that desirable. Lancia, the 037 Stradale, the sort of old rally car from back in the day. I drove one in Geneva a couple of years ago, Ooh. last year. Ooh. A company is resto modding it. A company called Camera have done a sort of reborn version with 500 horsepower. Got an engine. Yeah. Updated looks, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Good. However... And this is kind of something I want to touch on with one of my videos that went live last week. They are pricing it, the 37 examples that they're selling. Oh, no. £414,000. No. And this is off the back of my experience with the Callum Vanquish. Right. The, the Aston Martin Vanquish kind of resto mod from the guy who originally designed it back in the day, Ian mm-hmm. Callum. Yeah. That they are selling for four hundred and fifty grand, Which has got a lot more heritage than that. Well, no, um, <laughs> I, I disagree. Going yeah, I disagree there. <laughs> My point being, when will someone come along and do a resto mod that is affordable? Because I am fed up of these companies taking the piss out of rich people mm. by taking cars that were iconic and amazing and great and fettling with them and doing a lot of amazing work and then adding. 300,000 grand to the price. Now, I realised to do something like this, like the Callum car, for example, right? They took a, a stock Vanquish S, which, you know, 100, 110 grand, yeah, depending yeah. on mileage condition. And they changed the lights and they changed the window surround and they changed the body panels. Now, like, they changed the fuel cap and the size of the steering wheel. You know, endlessly pointless kind of things that overall as a package make the car completely different. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. But... It's so unnecessary. They will say all of that work, all of that R&D is so much time and effort and money. That's why it's so expensive. To do all of these changes, that's why it costs so much. What I'm saying is skip trimming down the steering wheel. Skip LED headlights. I don't need that stuff. Focus on the good bits and make it 50 or 100 grand more than the original car, not 300 grand more. But... Then it doesn't come as bespoke, does it? They make more of them at that point. Great! And and, ma- <laughs> and, ma- and maybe the man that's buying it wants a load of time spent on the steering wheel and, the, and the, you know, the bits around the window and all of that. I'm sure. And, and as I say, like, this was, especially with the Callum car, like, I understood the levels they've gone to it because it's a passion project. This is the car that the guy designed 20 years ago and he's got a chance to go back and fix everything. All mm-hmm. the things that have annoyed him over the years. It's genius. Yeah. But it's extortionate money for a car that I didn't feel was inherently better. Now, it's been a long time since I've driven an original Vanquish. I think I drove on right at the start of seeing through glass. Not even on video, I don't think. Anyway, it was hard for me to tell that the car was infinitely better. I actually still thought it was a bit of a brute. Yeah. So something like this, I drove the Lancia 037. Hey, it's, it's cool, but it's not a great car by modern standards. So I see the appeal of a resto mod. I love the way this looks. I love the idea of it. I'm so excited. Just like that Automobiliamos uh, Lancia Delta Integrale that you saw at Goodwood. Yeah. So cool. Brilliant. But I just want someone to come along and sit in the middle. I'm, I'm not saying these guys don't have a position in the market. I get what they're doing. And you're right. The levels they're going to, then, you know, th- there's a price attached to that. Of kind course, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But where are the guys doing the mid midway point? You know, doing enough that it's pushing the car massively forward, but not doing so much that none of us can afford it. Yeah, maybe they just can't make enough money, mate. Because as well, 
the more you make, the more people you got to find as well. And then at that point, how many people are actually going to spend that money? You know, it's a very fine mm. line. From a business point of view, good point. You'd rather you'd rather sell thirty-seven cars and have the money you have out of them than sell. 200 cars and have the same money as you'd have out of 37 cars. Good point, so good point. that's probably why they're doing it. I get why they're doing it. Listen, you haven't got to buy one. You know, no, no but I want to. to. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where the frustration comes from. Make one yourself. Yes, you I mean, yourself. that's probably the... So I'm definitely coming at this from a passionate point of view where you've, you've analysed the business. And I, I, now, I now am something I had been ignoring. So that, that does make sense. And then your second point is good as well. Actually, fundamentally, if I do want these things, yes, you're right. Just go and buy a rotten these E-type shell done, and just way. crack on. That's what these people have yeah. done. You know, they've built them themselves and they thought, actually, we can sell a few There's a business these. in here. Yeah. Yeah, which is what my mate Steve Booker was doing with his Range Rover Classic. Yeah, yeah. He was just doing it as a passion project and people kept saying, oh, can I buy it? Because that's normal. That's sometimes what happens, you know. People build something a bit bespoke and then they sell it to them, show it to their mates and they go... The other mate says, oh, that's quite nice. Oh, can I have one of them? So and that's how it starts. what would be a good one to do? Ah, oh, Mondial Ferrari. No, I mean, that's not a good one. To, what, change it into a CS? <laughs> yeah. Really? A Stradale Mondial. But you might as well go and buy the Mondial CS. Mondial Challenge. But you, might, um, you might as well buy the CS at that point by the time you spend the money. Yeah, the money would be extortionate. Extortionate. Because that's the thing, is that, you know, you've got to find a car which is not gone yet that you could do stuff with because Porsche and Ferrari just the parts is what makes it expensive of course and Ferrari will sue you yeah. <laughs> immediately <laughs> you're going to cease and desist as you buy the car yeah but you know there's got to be things out there which are of an older ilk which sort of have that kind of iconic cult status which you could kind of work on maybe that's my maybe that's the next project mm. hello if you could think of something you want to get involved well there's how much money it's going to cost me I mean I can, I can you want to fund it money sponsored by Gravelwood Castle. <laughs> Will be fun. Oh, that's oh, where all the future the the twenty five <laughs> limited edition cars will be sold via Gravelwood. That's the partnership, and I'll still have them all. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that brings an end to today's episode. Uh, as sort of I say, car news update kind of episode. Um, lots to have discussed, which I think was good to get through. Um, if you are watching here on YouTube, make sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you don't miss future episodes. If you want to follow Tony, he's at Tony Gravelwood Car Sales on most social media platforms. I'm at Seen Through Glass on most social media platforms. Um, we have this the tickets for our live events going on sale very soon. Patrons getting access to that first. Um, the links will be shared with the rest of you soon enough. And I think that's about it, isn't it? Oh, there was one more thing I wanted to say. Oh, get it in quick. Did you see that GT3 992 that's advertised online at 320. Oh, I almost don't even want to talk about that. What a piss take. I mean, well, someone's having a laugh, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I put it up, I put it up and uh, someone is having a laugh, but some people were really angry, like, oh, dairy. But, I mean, it is his car. He's willing to have a go, isn't he? It's up to him, yeah. And if someone wants to pay 200 grand over this for it, who's the silly one? Hey, people paid nearly a million pounds for F12 TDFs, so... Correct. <laughs> there's jokes to be had all round. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> were you looking because you were looking at GT3s? Maybe. Oh, more than that next week. We'll be back with you for another episode very soon. Bye-bye. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 